the remote communications trainer tells us what's changed this year, next on Remote Space. Hello? Uh, yeah, right. I'm sending that over in an hour. The meeting today? Another one? Hold on one sec. Enough! (laughs) Working from home not as much fun as you imagined? Remote Space explores the tools and philosophies we use as we work more remotely. We'll talk to experts who have mastered remote work, those studying the shift in how we work, and those learning on the run. Here's your host, Doug Thomas. Laura Bergato started working remotely in 2003. She has trained executives and their assistants in remote communications for years and has been a touchstone for many as businesses move to a remote environment. And Laura just doesn't talk the talk. She's a longtime executive assistant at several companies, currently working as project coordinator and executive assistant to the president of Kind International at Mars Incorporated. She talked to us from her home near the offices of Mars in Brussels, Belgium. Laura, you have many talents I want to talk about today, but I have to ask, you've been in the offices of Mars, the makers of M&Ms, Skittles, Snickers, Kind Bars for five years. So in the corporate offices, is there anything that resembles Willy Wonka's world? Uh, it does, actually. I was lucky enough to be able to visit my, you know, the office, the headquarters at McLean, Virginia. And there's like a, a, a museum, actually, about the whole history from Forest Mars and you know the first snicker bars and and when you walk through there it's it it does feel a bit like Willy you know the the, the chocolate factory but there's so much more to it right it's just this it's not just chocolate it's food it's pet care and it's just it's mesmerizing to walk through that oh that that that'd be lovely uh, I I won't ask I won't ask if there's a chocolate river because that might be a company yeah, secret. No, on there's there. not, uh, but there's <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you for indulging me. It's uh, thinking uh, about that as well. Um, you've been coaching and mentoring assistants and managers in remote work and communications long before 2020. Uh, what were some of the pillars, the main things that people had to learn before this year? Uh, you know, I've always been an advocate about uh, encouraging companies and organizations to embrace hybrid work environments. You know, uh, let's not even talk about the current, uh, you know, corona situation where some countries, you know, you're obligated to work from home full time. I always, uh, you know, I worked at Microsoft, started there in 2001, and we were working then already in a hybrid environment, some days from home, some days, you know, work anywhere, any place. You know, one of the things that I always encouraged and, you know, assistants seem to be either afraid to ask or funny enough, one of the trends we saw over the years when I asked assistants around the globe, are you allowed to work from home, you know, certain days of a week? And everybody in the office was allowed except the assistants. So I was like, "Mm, you know, we're not part of the furniture. I mean, (laughs) we're like (laughs) moved around. And so I have seen a, a, a positive trend. You know, we were forced, a lot of companies were forced to go into remote working. And guess what? You know, the assistants are still there, you know, every single day supporting their managers, their executives, and just making the magic happen, as we call it, within our our assistance environment. Uh, And so I'm hoping 
that it's not just something that's installed right now. I'm hoping companies will be more embracing that. You know, I always felt working from home, your productivity goes up. Uh, and now I kind of sense some people say, yeah, but I get lonely. I never felt lonely working from home because I learned over the years to to reach out. I have a massive network, both internally and externally. And I, I find the technology with video calls. Maybe it's just me, you know, maybe it's my 10 years at Microsoft, but I love it. I have a better connection with people working remotely because you can schedule a call when you're calm, when there's no 10 other people standing by your desk trying to interrupt you. That is my experience. And I do see a positive trend that people start to really embrace this remote working, flexibility, the advantages, you know, things like that. No, that's, that's again, some great things to, to, to figure out as, as some people still have been struggling with this. But again, how you've embraced that over time. And, and that's one thing that I haven't heard a lot of people talk about is the calm of being able to schedule on your time, uh, which is, uh, I would think, a, a great advantage. So that's a wonderful takeaway on that. So the assistants that you're working with, as you said, that were not part of this uh, hybrid environment, suddenly were working remote. What were some of the struggles from uh, as everyone started doing this uh, last March? Okay, so the, the the biggest struggle that we heard or I heard whenever I was coaching assistants or, or giving my webinars is, you know, the trust level suddenly shifted because, you know, obviously a lot of these assistants were used to see their executives near them in an office. And so, you know, they're used to just get up and maybe have go to their desk and say, hey, can we run through this? And uh, so there was a very interesting, I, I, you know, I would do some polls during my webinars. And so uh, some assistants would say that the trust level increased, but the majority said in the beginning, the trust level decreased. And then we had another uh, uh, poll where we asked, you know, did you notice any behavior change in your executives or, uh, you know, managers? And a lot of assistants were saying, yeah, we noticed. Uh, obviously, you know, nobody was fully prepared, right, Doug, for this? Sure. My my son said, it's like we've been casted in a bad movie and we didn't really want to be in it. But guess what? We're all going for an Oscar. <laughs> uh, and that's what it feels like. And so now, luckily, after eight months, I do see a very positive, uh, I would say, not just trend, but mindset change. But I realized, obviously, and I don't have to explain to you, Doug, is, you know, I was already submerged in that hybrid and remote working mentality in 2003. So obviously, you know, I, I can't deny it. Microsoft was a pioneer in that. And that's where I feel now companies are slowly getting to understand why remote collaboration requires a different way of communicating. You know, my executive announced Flexible Friday. It had to come from the leadership team so people could chill out on a Friday and decide whether they want to have a full day meeting, but we encourage them not to, or just say, you know what, maybe today I clean out my inbox or I finish at two o'clock and go for a three hour walk without the guilt feeling, without the pressure. And that has made a huge difference in our productivity within our team, to be honest. 
Flexible Friday. And then you talked about uh, this term, uh, which I love, communication shift. So one of the things I hear about is uh, if you and I are in the office and it's like, I haven't seen Laura in a while, I can come by. Do you want to go get a cup of coffee? It becomes a quick conversation. Yes or no, we either go coffee or we plan one or whatever. It seems like for a lot of folks, it's hard for them to ping them on uh, a platform like Teams to say, uh, do you have five minutes just to chat? But that's something that people just need to be able to break through. Yeah. Any tips of how to get people out of that habit? Because it seems like you have to schedule something to schedule something. Exactly. So one of the things that I heard, you know, I'm talking now within our kind international team, all different profiles in our team. As I said, you know, we we are going from really millennium millennium age to I'm the oldest, you know, oh my God, but I always say, you know, being the oldest has some advantages, to be honest with you. I can teach him a thing or two, uh, especially about remote working. And what I notice is that it's not just the remote working doc. It's the whole situation, the worldwide situation where suddenly parents have to do homeschooling. So it's everything at once, right? And I could hear a lot of people say, yeah, but we don't want to bother them. So, you know, we know they have kids and maybe they're homeschooling. And I kind of had to tell them, listen, you need to break through that worry of bothering them. I said, you know, because if you're in an office, they might be busy with something, but somehow you get up, you go to their desk and say, hey, you grab a coffee and people say, yeah, why not? And so you never have that thought, oh, am I going to bother them? You kind of like go with, uh, you know, you look over your screen and you see them kind of like chill at their desk and you walk up. I said, unless you break through this barrier of communication, caused by this new world of work that we're in, you know, you're going to lose your your office buddies that you would reach out when you had a brainstorming moment or just to have a chat about cat, dog, whatever, right? And I think we've slowly started to see that people do reach out more, but somebody in a team or in a company needs to take the initiative to say, you know what, stop thinking you're going to bother people because they miss you as much as you miss them, you know, your go-to buddies in the office. And so now we really start to see within our team and all of the assistants that I've had webinars with, people start to realize, wait a minute, if we're not going to break through this, we're going to get very lonely and we're going to you know, lose connections, not only on a human standpoint, but, you know, business, you know, we need to ensure business continuity. And that means reach out to your people, you know, in your company, in your team, in other teams. And so uh, I launched a fun project actually called Kind Mentoring and Speed Dating. And in teams, we created pseudonames. So nobody knew who they were going to have as a mentor, which, you know, broke down the barriers of hierarchy. And it's been super fun and great and interesting. So uh, let's talk a little more about that. So so people pick a pseudonym name and then they're matched up. But as soon as the meeting is made, don't they know who the mentor is? Yeah. So I would introduce them to each other and say, let the magic happen. Uh, but we use the pseudonames, all of the different ingredients of our kind bars, which was so fun. I'm dark chocolate compound, by the way, <laughs> which for sure people can't see my face, but I have dark hair. I'm Belgian. Chocolate is heaven here. <laughs> so I love my pseudonym as dark chocolate compound. <laughs> well, that's one thing we can agree on right now, because everyone who talks about this thing called milk chocolate, I just think they're 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 totally wrong. And that's like they're real totally chocolate. Wrong. I'm, <laughs> I am a dark to... chocolate person, to be sure. Yeah. So uh, in dealing with training people remotely, 
how is it easier to train people remotely when you're remote yourself? Okay, so uh, I was traveling around the globe, you know, to do keynotes for assistants, and I gave my master classes everywhere. And so the agency that I've been working with for a few years were panicking, you know, in the beginning of the lockdown. I said, no problem, I'm going to write a webinar over the weekend, let's do it. Obviously, you know, it's different. So if you are a trainer, or if you, you know, and you have to do webinars where you don't see your audience, you you just have to kind of get used to it, right? Maybe it's my experience of, I don't know, or my personality, but I think it's my passion and my belief, not just in the profession of assistance, but I am a firm believer that collaboration remotely, collaboration in internet, Wi-Fi space, whatever you want to call it, uh, is possible. And it can be as empowering and as energetic. So I'm doing five-hour masterclasses with live exercises, polling. So I don't see my audience at all. But funny enough, I really feel them there because when you make it interactive, uh, you know, I'm an avid salsa dancer. So of course, during the break, what do I do? I'm going to dance some salsa with my audience, right? (laughs) Even though I can't see them. And I think companies, you know, when we have our leadership team meetings on video chats, we try to always bring in a fun factor to keep people uh, alive. You know, I, I always say, don't kill people with, you know, death by PowerPoint, we used to call it at Microsoft. It's the same now with remote team meetings, you know, try to make it entertaining. Uh, Sometimes we do little quizzes, you know, just to break the ice, even though everybody knows each other. And I think it's a great opportunity for uh, organizations, companies, teams, right, to get creative and to build uh, this connection in a virtual world. Obviously, we all want to go for dinner and have lots of wine and, you know, catch up on whatever, but we can't. So, but instead of sitting there and moaning, there's so many other possibilities we can do. And we've had, I must admit, at Mars within our team, we've had a lot of fun. We do health and wellness weeks where we have live yoga, karate, live cooking lessons, you name it. And it's just been really fun. You know, it's been really great. And we don't obligate people. I think it's it's always important that people don't feel obligated. And the you know, the more you tell them this is voluntary, the more they join and the more they feel the benefit of connecting, you know, virtually. So, uh, yeah, we've had several of those live cooking shows and yoga things. like that. But I like your ideas of people keeping interactive, doing quizzes to make the, again, a five hour live action course. I, I would think would be daunting. And I come from, I think, from the same ilk of having that kind of outgoing personality. I, I wonder if there's anything in your setup uh, from your home or, or your office when you would do these that would be something if someone's doing more of these, that something that they, uh, one or two things that would be uh, of importance to have for that kind of setup from a, from a hardware or software standpoint. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, because I've been working from home so many years i have i have two screens i have a decent webcam which is not that expensive and i have two chairs i have my work chair uh, and then i have my webinar chair because my work chair is almost it looks like a gaming chair so it looks like i'm completely surrounded but it, i needed it for my back right but my webinar chair you don't see anything behind me and i decided just to keep my living room fun and homey and you know people love it they feel like they're in my house, that they're coming for a chat or or a snack or whatever. 
you know, first I thought, oh, do I need to build a professional webinar studio and whatever? And the audience that I give webinars to, and even when I'm on team meetings at Mars, they're always like, oh, Laura, we love your living room. It looks so cozy. And then my puppy jumps up. She always wants to come and say hi. And so I think that's what people really love. The fact that they see this person is working from home. She's giving webinars from home and it's okay. It's okay if suddenly, you know, my son forgot that I'm on a webinar and is walking past and and people are like, oh, is that Marvin? Uh, You know, I mean, stuff like that. I think it's showing that we're all human. And I was on a call with my executive and with some of the Mars leadership team. And, uh, you know, my executive's daughter decided to just walk up to the camera and go like, hey, you know, my dad's, that's it. It, He can't work anymore. You know, stuff like that is happening right now. But I I think that's what makes us human. That's what's bringing a different dimension to hybrid working, to, you know, collaboration. And I always tell people, lighten up, relax, breathe, you know, get the job done, interact, connect with one another. And and don't freak out if suddenly your cat or your dog is jumping behind you. I, I totally agree. I mean, one of the things that I, I really hope that this segment happens is, is again, to be more authentic, to show those things because people get work done in so many different, different environments and that managers have found out that they know more about their staff. And I hope that kind of personal care holds up through, you know, three years if they're back in the office that, that, that we remember that type of stuff. And I, I'm totally aware. I have my dog here. My dog's not as jumpy. She's 14, but yeah, she's eight months old. So that's why she's jumpy. Yeah. Oh, eight months. Uh, so almost a pandemic puppy, almost just a little bit. She is. She is a pandemic puppy. Yeah. <laughs> I, again, I have to make a note that to, to my assistant, to our co-producer, Mona, um, that uh, I think I, I just need to do a show on, on pandemic puppies, but that's for a later episode. <laughs> Going back to working with assistants, as I said, they've been working with their uh, leaders in this new environment and this communication shift. Is there things that they need to do that they're not doing that you have found out or, or that you're having to teach them? I think one, I mean, it depends, you know, you, it, but one of the things that I, I have always encouraged assistants, but now suddenly uh, it seems that they're actually listen, listening actively. Uh, I think one of the things is that, you know, I always said to people, if you're staying quietly, whether it's behind your desk and behind your laptop, and you're thinking that artificial intelligence is not going to affect our role or our profession, or currently this this pandemic and new way of working, you're wrong. You know, you need to uh, be proactive. And I think it's uh, it's lacking confidence, probably. And of course, you know, I always talk a little bit about history. I mean, you know, years ago, up until 20 years ago. The, the role of an assistant was very you know, much to execute. Whatever you were told to do, that's what you did. And, and we have a beautiful expression in French, and it's called sois belle et tais-toi. It means be pretty and shut up. And it might sound harsh, but if you go back in history to the role of secretaries, you know, that was it. You just executed whatever you were asked. But then as the years went by, You know, uh, and as the executives changed and, you know, the way of working changed, you know, we noticed a a big shift that assistants were valued more. But I always say to assistants, unless you don't value yourself, you recognize your skills, your competencies, you know, you will still continue to struggle Uh, that, you know, HR might not notice it uh, or your executives. 
Your executive usually does notice it, but they are so busy in their world. They don't always think about it. It doesn't make them bad, but it's just like, oh, well, you know, my assistant's probably doing okay. She never asks anything or she doesn't seem to complain. So they're fine. But it's our responsibility as assistants to speak up. Uh, it's something I learned at Microsoft. You know, uh, you need to you needed to speak. You know, speak up. They expected you to come with thoughts and innovation and ideas because that was the company culture. But if you are working as an assistant in a more rigid company culture, that's where I think you know the shift needs to happen. And I understand it. There's still a lot of work to be done, Doug, for assistants around the globe to get the recognition we deserve to get HR, for example, to understand what do they actually do apart from calendar travel and, a, you know, administration. There's so much more. I consider myself a negotiation expert. I'm an influencer. I'm a persuader. I am very good in negotiation. And that is, you know, like getting time in calendars with top level executives. It takes us three days sometimes between five or six assistants to find 30 minutes to put all of our executives together. So I think it's one thing that I would love to see coming out of this pandemic is companies, HR departments, realizing the value that assistants bring every single day. And I would tell assistants, you know, embrace change, embrace technology. I'm 54 and I'm a, well, maybe it's Microsoft, right? I'm, I'm a techie. I love technology. I think it's great. I'm not afraid it's going to take my role or my job away at all. Uh, my executive, you know, uh, counts on me to bring him up to speed with technology, even though he's a few years younger than I am. So our position is changing. And I would say, you know, if you embrace technology as assistance, if you find, you know, my new favorite quote is do it scared, but be prepared. You know, if you're afraid to bring new ideas or thoughts, that's OK. But if you're going to wait until you're no longer afraid to do it, your time's up. So do it scared. But one thing I learned from my executive Microsoft, be prepared whenever you want to bring a new idea or launch a project or find solutions. Assistants need to come prepared. So you're talking you're talking about courage. Is there a way to train people to be more courageous? Yeah. Ask yourself one question. What is the worst that can happen? I don't think uh, maybe there is a few executives or managers around the world that could be the ones that. Let's not focus on them right now. I'm talking about all of these other leaders, male and female, that are leading big companies and organizations, even NGOs, right? You know, you need to think if you go to them as their assistant and say, listen, you know, I've been thinking or I would love to try something that's going to help you to prioritize your time better, to ensure that you have time to reflect, to uh, prepare to do pre-read, to have a proper lunch, to have time with your kids, with your partner, with your dog, whatever. You know, I think no executive would say, oh, no, well, I'm not interested. All of them are struggling to manage their time. And I think now that they're no longer traveling, I could see a shift in my executive that he, you know, was all over the place. And I allowed him for two weeks to be all over the place. And then I said, nope, that's not how we're going to do it. And Maybe I'm not supposed to say this, but uh, I'm a very, you know, I, I speak my mind. And I think my mindset as an assistant changed two months into the role as an, as an exec assistant at Microsoft. I always felt sorry for my executive. And I felt really 
you know, like I couldn't help him manage his time. He would get upset that people would get an hour meeting and they would come unprepared. So one day I had to print a um, official document and I saw his salary and my life changed up. I thought, why am I sorry for this guy? (laughs) (laughs) And this story is something that when I told this to my current executive, he loved it so much. But the truth of the matter is that they don't realize that their half an hour worth is a lot of money. And even though they want to be approachable and they should be, they cannot just keep giving their time because then they cannot be the leader they're supposed to be. If they don't have time to catch their breath, right? I think that's where, you know, we can play a significant role. And when I told the story to Juan, he's like, you know what? I never calculated how much I was worth by half an hour. I'm like, well, calculate it, but don't let me know. I don't need to know. (laughs) Or it might change again. (laughs) If you have the courage to say this as an assistant to your executive saying, listen, we need to be mindful of your time. It's great for you to be approachable, but we need to reprioritize your time. And especially now, because they have stopped traveling extensively, you know, Ensure that the people in the team know that if they're going to get half an hour with the president, with the CEO, they better be ready because that's how you ensure business continuity. And that is the difference with remote collaboration. You know, if we're having a town hall, then the executive leadership team will take an extra half hour just to have this offline chat as if you would be in a happy hour bar, right? But now we can't. We can't see each other face to face. And, you know, then it's it's important that if they have business meetings, that assistants play a crucial role. Talk with your executives. Are they really needed in all of these meetings? What I call the ugly meetings when people don't really know what they're talking about and not really fully prepared. I guarantee you, your executive will lose their mind and lose their patience. So allow the teams to do the ugly meetings on their own. And then you pull in the executive when they're better prepared, when they've had time to do the brainstorming, which would normally happen in a live face-to-face meeting environment, but that's different, you know? So these are the kind of things I would encourage assistants to do. Think a little bit uh, and see how you can help your executives, your manager to manage their time, to manage their energy level. I think that's the most important thing that I'm doing right now for my executive is keeping his head above water. And be transparent to the people. Don't say, well, he doesn't have time. No, we always have time. However, we need to reprioritize. And if they're talking about a project starting in March, you're not a priority right now. Let's talk in end of January. Nice. Very nice. Uh, one of the things you talk about being a, uh, a tech guru is that you teach people some things about teams. And you said you had a list of Teams for Dems. What's what's one or two little quick things that people should know if they're on teams that that you find is? Yeah, well, I made I I love it. I really really love it. I must admit, I I created a personal channel between my executive and myself, where I put all of his favorite websites. You know, I have a, a protected document with passwords. You know, whatever for his travel is I you know his airlines things like that. Uh, so you know, we work with a lot of the team channels and. I kind of made a very quick one pager for for him to say, you know, if you want to send an email to the Teams channel, but at the same time to their email, this is how you do it, because they don't have time to go through all these trainings. They don't. So I went through all of the trainings. I played around with it. So one of the features that I love is the planner. 
So, uh, you know, I, I use tasks before, but uh, if you use the planner, you can assign tasks to other people or you can assign your own. And if you forget to do the task or you're kind of like slow a little bit, it, co- it pops up in your email automatically saying, excuse me, you kind of have a task. Maybe you should take a look at it. It doesn't say those words, but I like the way that it pops up and it reminds you. I just love it. I think it's, uh, you know, I... I think it's a better system than it was before, just the tasks, and then you would get a pop-up and you could snooze it. Now it keeps appearing in your email and it really helps me to stay on track of the different tasks. And the other good thing that I love about the planner is that I can assign tasks to people in the leadership team. Or sometimes I assign a task to my executive if there's something that he shouldn't be forgetting about, you know? And so those kind of things I really love. So I would encourage assistants to play around with it more, uh, to find ways where you can connect. I'm still a big OneNote fan, huge OneNote fan, but I can actually add my OneNote to my Teams channel. Right. Same way. I'm a huge OneNote person to have that integrated. We do all our planning with video in Planner, uh, which, again, is integrated into Teams, which has been great. And I'll say I'm the opposite also just because my job duties are a little different. I'm, I'm I'm not a notification person. I try to turn those off. But one of the things that I tell people in Teams, just like people who aren't big into emails still go to their inbox from time to time to see what's new and they'll browse down the list. To do that in Teams, uh, to just kind of go over and look at the areas that have new activity is something you want to plan to do versus just looking at things when you're pinged uh, that gives you kind of a concept. That's just kind of a, an easy of that. We, I'm sure we could talk all day about teams and about how to do it well. Laura Bergato is an executive assistant and a trainer based in Brussels. She works for the president of Kind Bars, a division of Mars. Laura, thank you so much for your time here on Remote Space. Thank you as well for having me. Stay safe, everyone. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to hear more stories and lessons learned from those working in the remote space.